how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? Everybody, this is Rose. And this is Louisa. And you're listening to Sober Sex. I made a promise to myself to stop not listening. What it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality. It started with putting down the substances, really, and starting to listen. And the listening to my body has changed. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy to see your beautiful face. Likewise. So happy to be back. This is such a fucking fantastic way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. Cozy cup of tea. Louisa. Yay. It's us. We're back. So friends and family of Sober Sex, if you continue to listen to, to us have the important conversations about real subjects until now, we, uh, we trust that you'll be thrilled and delighted to know that Rose is back uh, officially as a co-host post-maternity leave. Lily will be staying on occasionally as she's a busy lady. But um, yeah, this is like last episode with Tadeo was the first one that that Rose was back co-hosting, but we figured we'd also do a a fun and uh, yeah, delightful episode of, of just Rose and I catching up on the last, what, like seven months? Yeah, seven, eight nine something like that I don't know time's an illusion right now time is a flat circle you have a baby <laughs> <laughs> you have a baby a different type of baby a baby that Do is I? born in a cage <laughs> Rose was I'm Rose <laughs> Riot was not born in a cage <laughs> no but I mean your, your, your creative oh. baby <laughs> oh it's true my light cage <laughs> that is that baby was born in a cage in a cage made of lions. Yes. <laughs> it's like Riot, Riot is a feral child. She is definitely not born in a cage. <laughs> no, she's not. She sleeps in one, but no. But no, I got to bear witness to that. So I'm excited to like talk about the last year with you and what giving birth to creativity and that fierce fucking light cage Aww. performance looks like as well. <laughs> yes, I love I feel very seen by you and that makes me feel... Um, Warm and fuzzy and grateful. Um, Makes me feel sweaty. <laughs> being seen. But like having somebody else be seen by me, I'm like, I feel damp on my <laughs> wrist. <laughs> oh, honey. Hi. Hi. So Rose was a professional and wrote down questions and I was just like, let's fucking YOLO. Yeah, but uh, I've also just, anybody who hasn't had a child or has had the privilege of having a child, basically half your brain just gets stolen by your infant. And so I have what is now called not only pregnancy, post-pregnancy, postpartum brain, but I also have something called mum brain, which basically means that 50% of my brain is always occupied and tethered to my child, regardless of whether my child is in the actual room. So oh my I'm God, always... can you tell, say more, tell me more about this, this phenomenon. Oh, well, I feel like we'll real? get into it. It's, no, it's definitely a real thing. It's just like made up. <laughs> But like, uh, yeah, it's, you sounded it's very authoritative on it. And I was like, wow, yeah, that sounds like not a joke. That's just that like false confidence you develop as an alcoholic, isn't it? You know, you're just like, I know what I'm talking about if I say it like this. <laughs> and I have a British accent, which makes everybody think I'm an authority on something, which I'm not. So. Like that. Is that the BBC? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must be true. 
That was it's alarming true. when I first went to Atlanta and everyone was opening doors for me. And I'm like, do you know where I'm from? What the fuck is going on right now? This is <laughs> like six like, months sober. And I was like, why are people opening doors for me and calling me mom? <laughs> this is alarming. But I like it. I like it. It gives me a sense of power. Yeah. That's for two unknown. So yeah. kick us off. What, what do you want to do? What do you want to know? What do you want to talk about? We, we discussed evolution as a yeah. broad theme for today's episode, which I'm excited about. Yeah, me too. And I'm just curious about like what your evolution has been. Obviously, we've kept in contact away from the podcast um, and we've watched each other grow in like really different ways in the up and downs of the last year. What would you say has been your biggest intimacy evolution over the last year? Oh, my God. Um, sorry, guys, we're jumping straight in. <laughs> yeah, not sorry. Handle it. <laughs> what what else it. are you here for? Yeah. Um, um, I, that's, that's really, that's such a nice kicker offer. Um, I think it's like gone in two ways, right? Cause like, right, I think right after or right before, right after our last recording together, um, because I, I recall this because we did your blessing way. Mm. which is like a very extraordinary baby shower <laughs> concept. Google it. Um, <laughs> where I think I cried more than you. Um, you cried a lot. It was special, but it also set everybody else off. It was like the catalyst for tears. <laughs> That's my alpha power. Yeah. Um, but that, that like, you know, that we, there was a very kind of ceremonial wrapping of like stuff that you were doing before the baby. And so you could really focus on being a mom and wouldn't, we could like, have preciousness around this time, which I think was really beautiful, you know? And so it's, it's nice because that's actually provided a convenient marker of, of my time also. And mm. so shortly after that, um, I think we did our first like in-person concert really as mm. a band. And so that like, I, it's like you were saying, you know, watching a baby born in a cage and it's like, it's actually kind of provided me a new, like access point to this part of myself and I might have talked about it here before but it's like like a better version of myself who's like much less fearless or much less fearful and like who's just like does not give a fuck about anything except like mm -hmm. being present and having fun and connecting and it's like if you don't like it you can get the fuck out <laughs> and like <laughs> and I really felt like that when I came and saw <laughs> you it was crazy I was like I've never seen you so confident. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen and folks and everybody, inclusivity, please edit that and make <laughs> no. that go away. <laughs> never. <laughs> I hate you. Um, I watched Louisa at the fucking Bercy Arena and um, you just seemed so at ease and so confident. Like that would be enough to send anyone into a huge meltdown <laughs> playing, playing that kind of venue. I mean... On one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, like, that's the thing that this part is, like, the, what you talk about intimacy, like, there's a new sense of, uh, like, because, you know, so much of this, it, it's been so hard to get this show off the road, and so, like, I mm. think, you know, we have a lot of DJs as guests and kind of musicians and performers, and you work in that sector also in terms of, like, you know, having creative clientele who's often in, in this line of work that, like, there's so like it it was so possible that it wasn't ever going to happen you know that everything we worked so hard for everything that like this group of people that I can't believe like they're so talented and so smart and so kind like I can't believe they have my back on this project like if that mm. that's enough to make me be like wow like I better I better show up but that mm. 
because it's almost, it's like essentially an impossibility that it's even happening at all. There's nothing to do, but enjoy it, Mm. you know, like, and anything but would be kind of sacrilegious. So like, there's a new sense of like intimacy with the present and intimacy with this part. Who's just like only there to kind of like grow and heal. But it's like, (laughs) I have like a sense of when I think about it, it looks like the demon from death note. It's like nine feet tall and has like really long fingernails and like tall hair. (laughs) It's just like, like hissing quietly in the corner, like clacking its fingernails. (laughs) I'm like, I love her. (laughs) She's like, you better be having fucking fun. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Fun police. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I love her. So there's that. And then thrillingly, Seb and I are moving to the countryside, which has involved lots of choices on things like light fixtures, which who knew were so difficult to choose on. Mm. So we're both in like a low state of like decision fatigue at all times, but like the grace for each other in this very kind of unsexy, but an an adult process Mm. has been very intimate. And it's hugely like the next level in a relationship, isn't it? Like that idea of, I know, whenever we have to, we can always think everything's going really well for us until we have to like make any decisions together about like <laughs> any change or just be like what does this chair feel like and then suddenly it's like oh you don't understand me yeah totally via a household appliance oh my god like we were trying to choose couches this morning and I like <laughs> it, it, I was just like that's too ugly <laughs> we're not this is not our couch yeah <laughs> but so and like Rose I, I reflect the, the question back to you. Like, you've had a fucking baby. You've become mm. like a mom and dad. And dad, <laughs> Mikey has become a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how, how, I mean, can you talk about that? Like, that's a massive, like, the level of intimacy, you know, if we're talking about intimacy, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, well, just to take it back to the evolution thing, you know, that's, I I feel like I've gone through three different stages since becoming pregnant. You know, there was ultimately like this, I mean, it's changed everything becoming a mother. It's changed literally everything. It's so extraordinary. And firstly, I feel like pregnancy and the giving up of your like body to become a vessel essentially has been the most deep spiritual transformative moment and alignment with my idea of my my what I like to call God higher power that I could have ever ever imagined for and so just to go in more about that like I wasn't even sure that I was able to be pregnant stay pregnant go to term And I was reflecting on this and I was sort of like journaling about this this morning because it's like so little small windows to have self-reflection at the moment because it's like when baby is asleep or occupied or at crash, it's like get all the practical shit done because there's no time for anything, you know, and it's like this small window and you just feel like the hours are ticking away and so you have to get all the practical stuff in. So, of course, self-reflection and things like that really just unless you know you're going to be talking about it there is no <laughs> time for low podcast. reflection yeah and so having had miscarriages terminations um and not even really being sure that I wanted children because all the pregnancies before that had been um accidental and then making a very conscious decision with my my love about becoming a mother 
and becoming parents together, um, it was suddenly like the stakes were high. It was okay if you don't really want it because then you can't really have to care or get attached or be hung up about what happens. And so I think the first few months, well, as you know, were a bit touch and go and I was in and out of the hospital a fair bunch and there was that don't get too attached kind of thing, you know? Mm. Um, and then there was like, oh shit, this is really happening phase. And then there was like a grief that went with that, a grief of body, a grief mm. of uh, mindset, a grief of, a, a, a real fear kicked in, I think, honestly. And I think you and I talked a lot about this, that I was, I would, well, suddenly you're literally embedded by a weight. And it was really beautiful because we did so many connecting practices with her. Um, I highly recommend to anybody who's thinking about becoming a becoming a parent this thing called aptomony. I'm not sure they do it anywhere but France. Where, France loves babies and motherhood like yeah, more than any other country we it's discovered. It's the best place to have a baby in the world. Like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm sure Scandinavia has some like up there stuff going on too, but certainly um, this side of Europe, it feels that that is the most, um, has been the most, incredible thing that we did during the pregnancy which is a which was a practice with a midwife who was trained in this about communicating with the baby in utero and um and so Mikey and I both got to have a relationship with her before she was born and she got to know our voices and know us before she was born and we used to sing to her and I would meditate with her every day I made sure that was something I really cultivated was a practice of like checking in with her every day and just being like these are my intentions for you and certainly doing like a practice around um uh focusing really about the kind of mother I wanted to be and and sort of telling her about that and that was something I I also started a new type of therapy in pregnancy a gestalt practice um with a therapist around um around sort of what was I going to take from my past good and bad and and, and what were the values that I wanted to kind of transmit going forward and also just like this idea of, so once the sort of grieving and fear thing kind of kicked my butt a bit, realizing that like I was a very deeply maternal person and my friends were always reflecting that back at me. Um, but I didn't find myself in like the classic mother thing. So I struggled to find my place a little bit, but I knew that I was a carer and I knew that what really mattered was like the big maternal heart that I had, you know, and that was... And if you're not a maternal person, you can also be a very intentional parent. Like I've been reading about this recently. Like you can be not maternal and still be an excellent parent. You can be intentional with what you do, right? And so, um, yeah. And ever since I was a child, I was always like creating nests and things like that. I always wanted everything to have a little home in a space. And in a way, I was trying to, I guess, probably create that for myself. And the fact that now I get to do that for another person the evolution of intimacy has just been like, you can't really, I mean, people would say shit. Like I remember one of the most profound moments that kicked in for me was that I was in a taxi with a French taxi driver and um, Maddie was crying, Madeline, my child, she was crying and we had her in the car seat and he was saying, you can't explain this to somebody who hasn't been a parent like the love that you feel he said there's not even a word in the French vocabulary for it and he was like and I know there's not one in English and I was like I know 
and he was like and he was beeping and he was like get out we're at plastic cliche stuck in traffic and he was like get out of the way people we gotta get madeline home and he just like got it and me and this like taxi driver had this moment of just like we both knew how important this new life was and this little person who I knew fuck all about because you have to get to know your child as well they come out with like their own people say like they come out like blobs they do but they also come out with character right Louisa you can testify to that like Madeline is a whole personality yeah she's a, she's a whole thing <laughs> she's a whole thing like she's like we're obsessed with each other it's great I'll speak yeah. to myself I'm obsessed with her everybody's obsessed with her who comes into contact with her because she's just like <laughs> I got a lot to say and you know one of the best things that I've noticed is like some of the stuff that I've passed on to her without it being intentional for example I got the crash to pick her up the other day and um the crash director said to me <clears throat> one of the little boys went over to her and started trying to touch her face and she just screamed in their face so hard she said <laughs> everybody in the crash turned around something and I was like she's just fucking asserting her boundaries and do you know what I mean like if that's all I give my child it's just like, this is my space. Get out of my fucking space. <laughs> and she's learned that. I'm like, and they were like, we were very, very alarmed. And I was like, yes, I'm raising a feminist. Hello. And like, even beyond that, I'm raising someone who has an awareness of, already has an awareness of what her personal space is. And I really hope that's because Mikey and I try to really respect that and are very in tune with that ourselves. And so like becoming discerning about what's my responsibility Um as a mother and like what's not a responsibility and because I had so many um dysfunctional messages around that growing up it's been really important for me to get really clear about what it is that I want to transmit um and I'm excited for it I'm here for it and I'm not going to do it perfectly but uh yeah it feels so magic I feel like I'm so happy I've never been so deeply like purposeful <laughs> oh my god and yeah. it's like I can you know obviously this is an audio medium but um like you look really in it and this is also knowing that you know like it's been a gnarly you know between that the beginning of pregnancy and now which is like eight months into the baby's life yes right yes like you know there's been like COVID and moving and like mm. a gastro that wouldn't go away that the entire family had <laughs> like, yeah like all and a of milk this... allergy which and... uh, no joke in a baby like an official milk allergy so she, wait she's lactose intolerant she's not lactose intolerant tolerant she has a milk allergy I had an intuition about it and that's the other thing they don't tell you they're like oh your intuition kicks in you're like what are you talking about and also that as a person in recovery my intuition has often fucked me up in the past but then through being in recovery you start to like harness it and understand it and become aware of it and correctly use it and then incorrectly use it right and then and then but thinking about that it's all very well when you're talking about like oh shall I go shopping today or shall I go to a meeting it's like um <laughs> but when it's like actually another person's life and like my intuition when she was at the hospital and um yes we went to the hospital with her like I was like I need to figure out what's going on here. And I knew that she was just refusing a bottle, refusing a bottle, and they couldn't get liquids into her. So they were going to have to stick a tube down her nose to hydrate her. And I said, can I just try her on the breast again? And she took that, but she wouldn't take the formula drink. And I was like, I wonder if she's allergic to milk or got the intolerance that I have. Anyway, they had already taken blood tests and they tested for it and it came back a couple of weeks ago. She has a proper milk allergy. And and we'd already made the transition 
the week after being in hospital onto rice milk. Anyway, this is so boring for people no, no. who don't have children. But all of this to sort of sum up to say is that like intuition correctly why uh, used as a mother is really powerful to see sort of like come to light in front of you and you think, yeah, I do. I, sh- I do need to trust my intuition. There are a couple of times, especially when you, you're doing things in a different country where you're suddenly like, well, it's just not the way it works here or whatever. Or I don't want to be a bother or I need to go with the flow or whatever. But when it comes to fiercely protecting somebody else, like my intuition is correct for my child. Like that's not to say it will always be, but right now she is a fragile infant and somebody has to kind of step in and advocate. And I'm, I'm really proud to be her mother and do that. Well, and also I think that, you know, it's a big testament to your recovery and also to like your work in the sister program uh, to be able to kind of like take that advocacy place and and to be able to trust your intuition. Because I think so much of the work we do is like people in recovery is to kind of, you know, get like that's what steps 10, 11 and 12 are, right? Like to kind of get a working relationship with intuition that's not kind of marred by like an overwhelming need to self-destruct. And also I used to have this thing of like, my God intuition will only kick in when I'm well rested, when I'm, you know, when all my ducks are in order kind of thing. And Mm. what I found is my intuition kicked in after 48 hours in a hospital, not having slept at five o'clock in the morning, like in a really fucking stressful situation. Like that's when my intuition kicked in. So like this idea of having to be perfect and have God, I think is now redundant. (laughs) Dude, I'm so happy to hear you say that because for a long time there was like that good, good dogism, good girlism, you know, and like it's such a it's like how much more fun is it when that can be released? Yeah, but it's really interesting. My mom's just been here visiting um, and I really fast complicated, but lovely, (laughs) (laughs) not for the podcast. Um, But it was interesting to see like that came from somewhere like it was very much. Like that's a learned habit. Yeah. You know, it's conditional. And it's and and it would just about like one is good when one looks pretty and nice and yeah, there's lots of lovely things that go with that and of course, but it's not like I mean practicing that behaviour for a long time. Like now now I'm into this walk turning forty soon and um in a couple of weeks. Oh my god. But like knowing that like there's a new opportunity to pass on a different a different kind of value system around um outside and perfectionism and hoping that that like I get to pass on something different it's like be as messy be as loud as possible like just be your fucking self or not be very quiet and read books like also it's fine and you know what I mean like there is no right way and I really hope that you know Madeline doesn't grow up with a a precious sense of um being a Shirley Temple kind of little, little nice good girl dancing thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that that was ever really put on me either, but it was very, it's very complicated. I mean, you put on a good show, Rose. I put on a good show. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I look, I'll attest, you know, but it's like, and, and I think it's like unweaving the whole, like you need to put on a good show in order to be loved. Right. That's the kind of the breaker. But I feel like that messaging is really deep within our culture and the patriarchy anyway. Like that isn't just about familial. I think that's like culturally women and, you know, what we've been sold in a certain way. It's like, if I do this, I will get this, you know, and it's like, well, 
I've been subscribing to that for a lot longer than I haven't been practicing it. So of course yeah. it's going to take some work to come over it. You well, know? especially when everybody else is all subscribed, like also subscribed to that yeah. idea, unless they're actively doing work against it. And right. like, I think, you know, even within AA, it's very easy to get like wrapped up in this kind of like, God loves me if I'm perfect. Yes. Which I mean, like, <laughs> I'm so glad we're over that part. <laughs> I feel like, but you know, our very first episode with Sabrina, we talked about that. Be your own best girl. Mm. Be your own best girl. Not be someone else's best girl. Be your own best girl. And like, yeah, how true that's like, I'm learning that nobody needs a fucking martyr, you know, <laughs> like they need, well, my daughter needs me to take care of myself so that I can be a positive, um, a positive force in the world for her to kind of watch that behavior rather than being like, oh, there's somebody just whipping themselves for the patriarchy, mm. you know? Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I banged them long enough. What about you? What about you? What about you? What about you? Um, tell me about what the universe is trying to talk to you about at the moment. Oh, God. <laughs> Must I? <laughs> What's that going to do? No, I think, you know, I, uh, it's funny, I was writing this morning, doing morning pages as we often talk about and sober sex. Um, but this, the idea that like, one of the reasons I really value our friendship and, and that of Lily is that like, both of you guys like, fucking put in a lot of work to show up and like when I say like work a program it's not just like doing the fucking like um kind of legalistic check box ticking of like I did my daily dance step it's more like all of our affairs shit mm. you know and I see you and sometimes we can get into conflict over that stuff but like I really respect and appreciate it. And I do find myself that I carry like low key resentments when people come to me, <laughs> like naming names, just kidding. Um, when people come to me whining about the same problem that they've been whining about and like not doing anything about it, mm. you know, or not kind of like taking the steps recommended in terms of like changing behavior. You know, mm. I don't have a lot of patience for that. And then I was like reflecting on like, where do I do that? You know, cause like, mm. you know, you spot it, you got it. And like, uh, I have like a heart out today at around 4.30 because uh, I got to go to therapy, lol. <laughs> but <laughs> shout out to the therapist. Yes. Um, he does not listen to this podcast. No listening to this podcast. Thank anymore. God. But um, thank God. <laughs> but because um, his boundaries are incredible. Um, but <laughs> how creepy would it be? Can we just pause on that? Like how creepy would it be if your therapist listened to the podcast? I'd be like, dude, you need to get a life, man. No, no, no. I think he was like, I remember I showed up accidentally because he was doing like a, a, a spoken word night. Oh, I was yeah. in a, and I was, he was like, you can't come here again. I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, this is my space, which I'm like, good for you, man. Like, yeah. There's that fucking story in the big book where they talk about like the therapist having a party and I'm just like, what fucking therapist is fucking (laughs) this therapist without any boundaries in the big book? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's how that person got sober. It's in this section. They stopped in time. Check it out. Um, (laughs) Because that's the only book we read. (laughs) Um, uh, um, But so like, and, and basically the thing that keeps coming up over and over again is like dealing with reality in, in terms of like how much time, how much energy, mm. like what's actually possible. And, you know, I fucking did it again. 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. I painted myself into a corner. Right. We're like, we're moving next week. I'm actually, we're supposed to move on Whoa. May 1st. May 1st is both your 40th birthday and my 16 years sober. Also, 16. the day oh that we have God. to move out of our home. <laughs> oh, you darling. And I'm playing in Berlin on the 30th. Shout out. If this, if this episode comes out before that, come to Berlin. If you're in Berlin, it's going to be great. Also, oh God, you're so exciting. Feel free to send Rose and I birthday gifts. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> At fuck yes over sex on Instagram. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible hang on you're gonna have 16 years of continuous sobriety and clean time it's crazy it's that's like, mental that's a teenager <laughs> you're in a full person my recovery is a surly bitch what were you doing at 16 oh i was very i was like a super nerdy horse girl obsessed with the band garbage oh yeah also like stalking the red hot chili peppers around the world <laughs> via myspace no no i mean i was i feel like myspace came a little bit after but like there was early social media (laughs) and uh yeah i was in i was obsessed not only with the red hot chili peppers and garbage but with the tour manager of the red hot chili peppers who ended up a miracle of miracles we should have him on the show he would never (laughs) being my eskimo into aa he was like the first sober person i knew yeah crazy crazy that's fucking crazy god is good what can i say who am i to be like there's no god when i'm just like look at those little ducks in a row (laughs) but um you know so like this this is to say that i plan my life in a way that was sure like positive to make me Mm. feel absolutely insane Mm. (laughs) like and guess what then i and this is also i came back from a u.s tour like 10 days ago and like was really sad about it because I miss my parents. You know, I like mm. I'm, I get back to France and I miss my family. So I'm like grieving mm. and I'm grieving leaving Paris. Mm. And I'm like, there's a lot of feelings coming up. And I, of course, organized my life in a way that I can't like won't can't be feel. able to have have the bandwidth for it, you know. So mm. when we say like, I would much rather like, where am I being asked to grow to grow today? Like, I would much rather kind of dive into everything full speed ahead. Like what action can I take? What steps can mm. I do? What can I journal on? Like mm. all this shit as opposed to like, can I just like feel my feelings and make wise and compassionate choices for like future me instead no. of like, <laughs> absolutely like, not. I better be on a fucking manic kick from like 5am to 11pm every day. <laughs> like, like fuck. And so, you know, I guess I'm trying to arrange a life where that feels a little bit more like I have the space to, be gentler and I'm in an environment that cultivates that because like we're moving to the middle of nowhere it's um, so beautiful though like the pictures you sent me are just beyond joyous it's very like, beautiful look at that space because <laughs> your whole body's just going to be able you'll have no choice but to like just your the environment around you is just gonna like get all, this, <laughs> all that fascia and you know what I mean I mean and, I hope so you know it's such a change but so this, like, I feel like I'm being, like, slowing down is demanded and is also really scary and counterintuitive. And, mm. you know, and also there's a greater sense of, like, because of continuous recovery, like, feeling like it's going to be okay. And, like, I think because, you know, to loop back to what we were talking about earlier, like, this, this because if I have new access to this idea of, like, potentially enjoying the present moment like being in Mm. it and like there's nothing like uh, the mantra is like really like there's nothing to do here but taste it let me taste it there's nothing Mm. to do but feel it let me feel it like let me let me love it like let Mm. me feel your love god like in this Mm. right now not like there's no later there's no Mm. post 
feeling it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So like, that's, that's what the call is, but it's just like, it's still such new behavior that I, because my whole life has been like a disassociative, like dopamine mission. Hi. <laughs> that's why we love each other. Yeah. And then we, but we also love each other in our quiet times too. Yeah. And I think also you like, because you've been so compassionate with me through our friendship about like, whenever I do ask, ask to like reschedule or like, what I need a pause about? or like you ask, you're really good at being like, can I, do you have the bandwidth for this right now? Like it's really helped me cultivate that within myself because like you, you have a lot of grace with me for that. Whereas like in the past, you know, you've seen me, I've been a cunt about it, <laughs> about like when other people like let me down or like don't come through or like don't like miss the fucking level of my psycho rigidity. <laughs> I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> so after some technical difficulties, we're back. Hi. Uh, hello. You were talking about, um, how there's a like a balance between like potentially being over compassionate and kind of what boundaried is that what we're talking about no I think it's you know I think you and I and you've always said that we're like great teachers for each other or whatever like incredible incredible teachers we make we really hit each other's buttons but in a way that's really loving (laughs) yeah like hi I'm holding you there I'm learning from you Um, um but um Oh, that's so cool. I want to come back to that in a minute. But the point that I was trying to make before that was that I can get into this. It's fine. I have compassion for you. La, 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 la. And then I'm like, actually, I'm just sort of a bit disappointed that you mm. didn't show up. Or, But I'll be like, oh, I'm in this really compassionate space. And then, but I'm like, no, but I'm so busy being attached to that. Like, I'm a compassionate person. Whereas, like, you're very outwardly, and that's annoying or I'm disappointed or frustrated by that. And um, it's been really good for me to see that because, like, I think that's actually a bit more genuine. Do you know what I mean, in a way? Oh, well, that's really nice to hear because I mm. think traditionally I kind of, like, if I don't want to, I have such a hard time with the feeling of disappointment that often I just become, like, rigid and cut and run. I'm just like, I'm not going to tell you what you did wrong. I'm just not going to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Which yeah. It's not very nice. <laughs> that doesn't really happen anymore, but you used to do that. But you don't do that anymore. And it's super, super nice. But both I can learn from because I think, they're both a way that you're actually expressing your disappointment. Whereas I think I go into this overdrive of like, oh, it's all right. They're lovely, really. And then like, I'll be <laughs> up at like three in the morning being like, those fucking bastards, why wouldn't they just reply or something? You know what I mean? And then yeah, I'll get really totally. like <laughs> tensed up about it. But I'm so busy just like trying to have the compassionate response that essentially what's happening is I'm going from like awareness to action without like acceptance in the middle. Oh, and I love you. So much. Oh, thanks. I, none of these <laughs> oh, are my words. This is like it's so good. It's a different program, but Powerful. like, do you want me to beep out the word? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, my other twelve-step program, but like, yeah, I'm so busy just being fucking like, like me, like me, like me. I choose like the compassion response, and it's not actually that genuine. Hmm. Yeah, and I like how you kind of name where where that actually lies, right? In the acceptance part and they're like can mm. I actually tolerate feeling my feelings about this so I can no. like take wise action no, no that's why you. I want to put drugs and alcohol and <laughs> whatever else is coming up now you know what busy, I mean busy staying busy busy eating like last night I came like the massivest bag of like biscuits and honey while watching the Jimmy Savile the British horror story thing and I was just like or I could not watch this and not eat this I'm like that isn't a choice <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like we're gonna eat no, this and is watch my only some- option. Yeah, like okay, fine. 
still I'm still that person you know <laughs> but Bless. there's an awareness I love that person thank god yeah no totally oh. totally totally but yeah so but coming back to you and I I think I feel like this is just becoming an episode where we're just like let's discuss our friendship yeah <laughs> what else are hosties episodes yeah <laughs> um but coming back to like you and I on that and like gritting each other's teeth with that I think that like one thing I've realized is that relationships take work and um like this whole idea that like as an adult I've just got my posse and it's like whatever just put up with shit and it's like a really immature old idea and yes most of the world does live like that it's like well they're just our friends that would be my friends since I was like five so of course they're my friends or whatever but what I'm realizing is like a more intentional person these days in my relationships is like if I want a friendship or relationship to work I have to show up and I have to put the work in and that if I want something to work as an adult it's the same rules that apply when you go to a kid's birthday party when you're a kid you're like you go there you're nice you bring you know you're like hi you want to play you want to be fun like I'm not saying that that's how you have to be in relationship I'm just saying like those same rules apply that I think that we think as an adult we can just become completely passive in our relationships and Mm. I think that's it's not true like you and I we work our friendship we are deeply close because of that yeah not because we're just naturally close you know what I mean we I think there was a natural closeness and a fondness but it's also like we are incredibly different in some of our ways that we operate as people and that can we can really rub because of that Mm -hmm. but I think we because we work on that and not in a fake kind of way in a way of like just being like okay I'm gonna trust like my thing is that I always want to get everything sewn up really quickly. Like, I don't want anybody to be cross with me or whatever. And then sometimes it's, like, appropriate to be cross or whatever, and I have to just, like, back off and let you have your feelings. And um, and likewise, like, that's helped me in my marriage too, you know? Mikey will be like, just let me be angry so you don't have to fix it immediately, you know? Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, if I – and it wouldn't even be <laughs> something that I've made him angry about, just something that, like, he just might generally be angry or frustrated with an internet. This is his main thing of like an internet website. It doesn't work. <laughs> and an which, internet website? An internet website. <laughs> you know, those old interweb websites. Um, but yeah, so it's funny just to think about that. I think, um, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. No, I just think, I think about you saying that a lot. Like it's actually helped my relationship. You saying that like, oh, there, I don't have to fix this. Like he can, he can have his emotional experience. I don't have to control it. Like, you know, because I come from a place of like, uh, yeah, it feels unsafe to have yeah. people either mad at me or just mad in general, right? Yeah. And so it's it's really helpful to be like, oh, like maybe it's totally fine. Like maybe it has nothing to do with me, and that's okay. And if it has to do with me, we can like work through it. It's just, it's not it's not like a dangerous thing, right? Right. It's about and, trust, really, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's like, do I trust that like we're okay and we will come through this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think also because like. You know, I think we talked about this last episode, but this this relationship, because it had so many different forms, like in terms of like business and creative partnerships, sponsor-sponsor relationship, friendship, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of different elements that we've had to kind of work through and that like will cause friction on occasion. And, and like, it's such a nice thing to know that we've done so much work on the on that now, even if there's like uncomfortable moments, it's still secure. It's still safe. Mm-hmm. And that's like a new, that's taught me a lot. Like, yeah. And I mean, yo, I think a lot about my mom because she's like, she doesn't have a romantic partner right now, but she has like 
her fucking awesome lesbian art colony <laughs> in Long Island. But like this idea no, of like, dec- it, it is totally massive goals. Yeah. You and I, baby. Yeah. <laughs> in our seventies are going to fucking <laughs> own some weird Island <laughs> wearing only moo's and like chunky jewelry. <laughs> big like wedge, like fucking Crocs, slip on Crocs or whatever. Like massive glasses. Yeah. Big, glasses. Like frames. <laughs> Yes, colorful <laughs> the ones that you have to get like tightened up because you've like overworn them with like the purple color too much you know <laughs> so so yes our future but decentralizing Beans. like as the the purpose of all human relationship like romantic mm. relationship you know this idea that like i think my partnership my romantic partnership is healthier as a result of like friendships like this where it's not my primary purpose to be somebody's girlfriend or or you know like like get to get male validation or to have a romantic like future although that's really nice and I could easily take those things for granted Mm. but like this is just as much a valid place for like learning and being present and showing up and working Mm. through shit as like a romantic thing Mm. that's new it is new and you just sort of saying that I was thinking about like what are your sort of goals over the next year? Like, what are you, what are you excited about for, for this next bit? Oh man. Um, you know, I th- I'm like really excited about this move, even though I'm really scared. Mm. Just kind of my, I think I finding the rhythm of what that new life is going to look like. Cause it's really different from anything I've ever experienced. Um, and you know, like we just did a kind of retro planning for, for the label for, for RAR. And I think it looks a lot in my professional life. It looks a lot more like kind of stepping up, uh, autonomy. So not kind of depending on like agent management label to like do Mm. things for me. It means Mm -hmm. that like, if I want it done right, I got to fucking do it myself. So here we go. And like, and asking for help it, it like delegating in a way that feels like it's coming from me as opposed to me being like, so what do I have to do? You know? Yeah. To, like handing your power over and just being yeah. like, well, it's out of my hands. And it's like, is it, is that helpful? Yeah. You know? Totally. Like mm. the fact that like people did a shitty job and I'm like mad about it. It's like, well, mm. now I'm going to do it and I'm going to make sure it gets done right. So yeah. that's very exciting. And like, you know, um, so, but also scary. Cause I'm just like, this is France and there's so much possible, mm. <laughs> but it's also such a pain in the ass mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's that feels good and I'm like I'm, I'm presently on on the hunt for a horse so I'm excited to to meet my new horse <laughs> your new <laughs> child welcome to the farm child yes if you have already been born yes the, the, they've definitely been born they were born like four four to eight years ago <laughs> we'll see nice. <laughs> we'll see who shows up what about you what are your goals and and also like where do you feel like the universe is asking you to grow right now? Like, you didn't answer the last question. You got sidetracked right. with our mutual love. Oh, I don't know. I think, but I think that plays a big part in it, you know. Um, for me, I'm being asked to grow by taking responsibility um, for, for being in reality, not in fantasy. Um, in terms I'm like, Rose, of, are we the same person? <laughs> Um, no, but to be You're really, just more concise. <laughs> um, to be really, I spoke to my sponsor before this, so I feel like I had the added like bonus of just like having hashed all this shit out unintentionally. <laughs> I'm 
And she always makes me get really clear. And I love it because it makes me feel like I'm on a path rather than just like floating. Um, and I have ADHD. So it feels really nice not to float, you know, um, uh, not ADHD, ADD. Anyway, what I'm getting off on that track, come back, remain back in the lane of, um, <laughs> being in reality around like situations and, um, places and people that um and things that feel nourishing and knowing because I've become a mother that my bandwidth suddenly went from like well you know so what if I get coffee with that person or go to that like shitty thing whatever it's no but being like my time has suddenly gone like I don't have fucking time so people who are texting me and stuff and I haven't been able to get back for more than like one or two words I have like one or two three max close friends at the moment who I'm in consistent contact with and that's fine and that's fine and everybody else I love you but I just don't have it right now I have no bandwidth beyond like those three people and Maddie is getting everything right now because I want to be that present mother and also just feeling the non-guilt I feel like the universe is really saying you have you can say you're lucky rose and kind of like throw your power to the fucking wind and say that you were lucky or you can say yes i have some privilege behind me in terms of uh being a white woman with um choices but i've also worked very fucking hard for this life and to create this life that i have and so not just being like oh well it's just luck or whatever it's like, I've made some really hard choices and I've also worked really hard for this life. So I'm going to fucking own it. I'm being asked to step into that power. I'm asked, being asked to become a, like a tigress for my, for my little one. And also to make sure that the joy is present and the creativity is present. And if I am not feeling it, I know it's because I'm going too fast and I'm not mm. allowing for it. So that's what the universe is asking me to do. What was the other question that I asked you? I can't remember. Uh, what are your priorities? Like, or where, what are your goals or priorities moving forward? Like, where do you, where do you, what, what's this year about for you? Oh, I feel like I answered that. In terms of career and stuff, like, that was another thing I noticed that I don't have bandwidth. That maternal energy I was talking about that I have, I don't have spare. Mm. So I... I'm not opening up to clients um, in terms of coaching. Um, so I'm looking at... Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> no. So I'm no, looking, just like a, an adult person coming to you and be like, help me. And you're like, no, I have a baby. I have a like, baby. <laughs> you can get me eight hours sleep a night. I'll take six hours sleep a night and then we'll talk about helping someone else. But like right now, no. Um so for me, it looks like... You are not the baby. <laughs> no, merci. You are not my baby. <laughs> no, merci. I can't do that right now. I can't. Because I would just be... I wouldn't be helpful, you know? It's like that thing of like, don't try and get in the bloody field because you're not going to be helpful because your own bloody oxygen mask isn't on properly. Yeah. So until I'm sort of a bit more on better form with sleep and the basics, I'm not taking on clients. However, I am finding that the voiceover work's coming back in and I'm fucking stuck dope to be doing that again because it's nice just popping into a studio being back on the podcast like that for me is my well is getting full and I'm thinking about writing poetry again um mm -hmm. 
it was something I was very good at when I was little and won competitions and things. And, um, and someone shitty, someone really sweet made a really shitty comment once, um, after I'd written something and I allowed it to define me around my creativity. And it came from a place of just part of who I am and their misunderstanding about what I do. But, um, I know that like, I used it as an excuse. I was like, oh yeah, I'm just not very cool because I write poetry. So I just sort of like became a bit Eeyore about the whole thing. And it's like, I enjoy it. It's a creative, it's a creative palette and I'm not trying to make money with it. So it's not going to hurt anyone. And I love that it's coming up like in your season of motherhood, right? That like fucking, I remember hearing that, I think it was Gwendolyn Brooks, who I really love, talked about like novels are for people who have time <laughs> and that like you know the the reason that she was in poetry is because like as a black woman she, this is this is what was available to her like this is the, mm. the resources were like at the kitchen table after the washing up was done mm. and I'm just like that's a that's a beautiful thing that you're kind of actually joining in a tradition of people who make something really beautiful even if there's not a lot of like time resourced oh god I love that and also what just super inspired me recently was the Krista Tippett and Mary Oliver um Mm. episode that they re-released because obviously Mary Oliver is no longer alive but um that was really helpful listening to her and listening her talking about her creative process as more of a spiritual discipline than actually about creating art you know and and thinking about like that's why myself sometimes feels sad because there isn't a vessel but whose responsibility is that? It's up to me to in, implement discipline. And I've always had a problem with that. Like my dad, the only time he's ever, like my dad was never aggressive, never shouted at me. But once he threw a banana at me because I wouldn't <laughs> go into my bedroom and practice scales. You know, he was very, it was the one thing he instilled in me is like, you play this instrument and, you know, I played flute to a, a fairly high classical level, but I had to practice for an hour a day, my scales and stuff. And he forced me to do it and I hated him for it but I know that that is part of the creative spiritual practice and that isn't necessarily like I was never like an excellent flautist I just had a standard right but like it's interesting to think about the discipline it was a way of like harnessing some kind of like untethered spirit and he could see that from a young age and was like you need to channel that and like this is one way which you do. The only reason it was a flute is because it was the only place. I love this story. It's so mental about my dad. He was teaching, he's a sit-up uh, player, and he was teaching in a music school. And um, and I really wanted to learn the saxophone. And like Lisa Simpson? Yeah, I really wanted to be Lisa <laughs> Simpson, basically. And one day he was like, so cute. the only thing I could nick out at the school was a flute, so you'll have to learn the flute. Just passed me this like shitty secondhand Yamaha flute, and like I was like, I hate the flute. And he was like, We can't afford anything else, so like this is all I could get. And I and I became a flautist because of that. And like, Like yeah, yeah, um, like was never like great, but like it taught me a discipline, is what I'm trying to say. And um, and I think this is the first time in my life where I haven't had some kind of like creative discipline that's more disciplined voila so poetry is a good I feel like a good uh a good maybe a good route for me back into that yeah and I will also say that like to reflect back on to you what I've heard you say in the last couple weeks of this idea of like in fact 
just because you don't necessarily have kind of a creative practice that you're getting paid money for in this moment, although you kind of do because you are still doing voice acting, Mm. is like your entire approach to motherhood is really creative and your entire approach to partnership is really creative, like that you can't help it. And I, and I, and I, I stand by that and I'm here in your life to remind you (laughs) of these facts. No, absolutely. (laughs) For me, it has to go kind of beyond that. It needs to go beyond it. Like the discipline part helps. Yeah. But also just like the self advocacy, the agency and the, um, esteem it gives me to have a practice, Mm. right. Uh, for something that I show up for. So I don't know what that looks like. I also thought about going back into theater somehow, but maybe not on the stage, maybe the other side. So I'm just sort of thinking about maybe trying to get some um, some sort of like free step-in work to assist some directors, some theatre directors or something, and thinking about writing some letters to do that as something that might be a future goal. So I, I don't know what it's going to look like, and I and have to be reminded that like God has all of this for me, like, and that's what I follow, and it's not me making the decision. I can make the decision and show up for it, but like, I am creative that's not going anywhere and so whatever the vessel will be is going to present itself I love that I love that very much and I like also how like clear and concrete it is like it sounds like you actually have ideas that like there's a route to implement that don't sound kind of abstract I feel like I can rest in like in abstractness in abstraction (laughs) um with in terms of like timelines and shit that I want done and the direction I want it to be in and like I really appreciate how much like kind of clarity and kind of intention you have. And I'm going to think about that. Like, what does that look like for me in the future? Once this fucking move is done, because I'm yeah. so, I feel like I look like look up and see the the waves above my head. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it is, that is a move. And I think the one thing that we underestimate, well, I know I certainly do is that I remember when I heard when I first came into recovery was that like move moving for people like us is like open heart surgery. Because our home becomes our foundation. It becomes our safe space, you know? <laughs> Rose, that is so funny. I mean, like, and I hear you say that, especially having, like, helped you and basically entertained your baby while you were moving, but, um, uh, which was a delight, actually. <laughs> but, but it's funny because when I think about people who are actually quite good with change, I think about you because of your penchant for rearranging the furniture. What are you talking about? <laughs> say, like, as I'm shifting. Listeners. <laughs> listeners. How like, I calm my anxiety. Like what? Like every three months, maybe less. Like I would enter Rose's home for the past, you know, like what five years or so that you've been there. <laughs> like everything would be in a different place. <laughs> like Seb, Seb and I, who like Seb can't tolerate the brand of his pasta, his preferred pasta changing packaging. <laughs> they don't even change the recipe; they just change the packaging. He's like, oh, I hate bless. this. <laughs> Like we're both so rigid and such like weird, like stuck only children. <laughs> oh my God. That's how it's my daughter's like, going to grow up. I who moved it. my cheese? It's like, <laughs> we had to have words, <laughs> not words. And this is like the most absurdly privileged statement of all time. But we had to be like, cleaning lady, we love you so much. Madam Gashi, you are our favorite. But can you please stop like reorganizing things because it's making both of us want to like drive our head through the wall. It's like freaking us out so hard. I might have to edit this because I feel like a dick. <laughs> It's hard not to talk about having a cleaning lady without just feeling like a dick, though, isn't yeah, it? Let's be very, honest. It's being a dick. I think I'm going to edit that part out. I don't think you need to. <clears throat> I think I'll just tell, say about that, like, getting a cleaner in a fucking relationship, and also, by the way, cleaning services are supplemented in France. Like, 
is a a fucking intimacy like tick and it's also a massive act of self-care so i don't know leave it in if you want i'll take that into consideration (laughs) whatever thank you (laughs) um okay just to end because i know you got a fucking bounce Mm. bouncy bar hang on hang on finally it's a bit of a weird one but what are you afraid of Oh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. I'm afraid of, like, right now there's such a precious, like, and when I say precious, I mean, like, fine and subtle and sweet quality to the fellowship Mm -hmm. that we've really cultivated in Paris, specifically in, like, our mutual home group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I really have very much enjoyed being a part of this thing here in this place, you know, and I, I'm really afraid of losing connection if I'm not physically there Mm -mm. regularly to like watching this miracle unfold, Mm. you know, because again, like I think COVID taught us all that it could like, we can observe that miracle in, um, you know, remotely via zoom or whatever, but that Mm -hmm. like there's, rare delights in my life as sweet as being a member of this program in Mm. this space and watching these lives just like watching people go from feeling broken and scared to like living in whatever their truth is it's like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen so oh my god I'm afraid being far away from that Mm. honey thank you for sharing that I love you so much what are you afraid of? <laughs> no, I cry. What are you afraid of? Are you also crying? <laughs> I am quite emotional hearing you say that. And just because I love you so much and I see like the effect and the power that you have. And also, is it possible that Mondays can be Monday afternoons in Paris and that you get to come see your goddaughter and then go to your home group? It's, it is possible. <laughs> god i'm so annoying it's the Um, best i love you thanks for sharing that thanks for sharing that i love you so much um my fears right now are not getting enough sleep it's very practical (laughs) and very relatable honestly yeah i didn't realize like you can do all the work you want on yourself in the world if you're not getting enough sleep the fact yeah, fucking fact. And oh. that, ladies and gentlemen, folks, everybody, is that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another Hosties episode of Sober Sex. Woo! And welcome to be back. back. Thank you. Bye.